morning, everyone. I love that that hymn says uh, that he tore the bars away, that the death couldn't keep his prey. It's not like Jesus managed to sneak out of it. He just ripped the whole thing open and walked through, you know. Uh, if you'd like to turn in your Bibles, please, to, to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And, uh, of course, where else can we go? 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and uh, we're just looking at the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And we're asking the question this morning, is the resurrection important? Is it important, uh, this part of our Christian faith? Uh, you know, recently, Victoria, in, uh, in school, she was learning that she could, her, her, te- her pupils, sorry, would be marked right if they were to say certain things in their religious education classes. So there's a certain assignment or a certain examination they have to do. And one of the things that they're able to say is, uh, women uh, are more religious than men because women are so much more emotional and high-strung than men that it helps them sort of have something to lean on. So it might not be true, but you can lean on it and find refuge in it and, and recourse to it, and you can feel really good about it, even though it's not actually true, right? And the, the kids would be marked right if they wrote that in their, in their examination, right? So the, I'm not saying, the kids would be marked right. In, in 2022, the kids would be marked right for saying something like that, okay? So sadly, that's how many people see uh, religion, well, you know, all religion, including Christianity, is it's a placebo, you know, it helps us feel good when things get difficult. It gives us something to lean on when we suffer and when things go wrong. It, it gives us a little hope for the future, even though things seem bleak. It's not actually true, but, but it helps. It serves a purpose. Uh, some people say that's the same for what they call pre-workout when you go to the gym. That uh, you, you, you take some uh, energy juice before you hit the gym, and it's meant to just, like, burn and then you can lift heavy weights. And the, the argument is it's just a placebo. It's not actually true. You take it, and you think it's working, so you go to the gym just, like, supercharged, even though it's not actually, it's just some extra sugar, right? That's, that's what they're saying. So the question for this morning is, is it important, this resurrection? Is it important this thing we say that we believe? And uh, so we're going to read 1 Corinthians 15, verse 1, and then down a little bit. Uh, and we'll keep going. We're not going to do the whole thing. It says in the, uh, in the NIV we're going to read from, it says, Now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, and on which you've taken your stand. By this gospel you're saved, if you hold firmly to the word I preached to you, otherwise you've believed in vain. For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures. That he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day, according to the scriptures. That he appeared to Cephas, and then to the twelve. After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time. Most of them who are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and last of all, he appeared to me also as to one abnormally or born out of time. For I am the least of the apostles and do not even deserve to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace to me was not without effect. No, I worked harder than all of them, yet not I, but the grace of God that was with me. Whether then it is I or they, this is what we preach, and this is what you believe. But if it's preached that Christ has been raised from the dead, how can some of you say there's no resurrection of the dead? If there's no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. More than that, we are then found to be false witnesses about God. For we've testified about God that he raised Christ from the dead, but he did not raise him if the dead are not raised. 
For if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. And those who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are of all people most to be pitied. But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead. So we're going to look at some things about uh, if the resurrection isn't true then what's true of our faith as Christians? If the resurrection isn't true, is this just a placebo? Is this just something we kind of believe and teach the kids and it makes people behave themselves a little bit? Well, let's look at it. Let's look at what the Apostle Paul says about this, about the, the resurrection of Jesus, about the faith. He says some, like, some pretty serious things here about faith uh, if the resurrection isn't true. And so the first thing he says here is that our faith is empty. In verse 14, in verse 14, he says that if Christ is not risen, then our preaching uh, and your faith is empty. So here's the thing. If Jesus didn't rise from the dead, then this pointless you being here this morning. It's, it, what, what are we doing? Just a traditional little Sunday dress up thing that we do every week. What a, what a weird thing to do to come together into this building and, and sing a bunch of songs uh, to someone who's not alive. And then, and then say nice things to each other and then walk out the door for Sunday lunch and maybe come back tonight if we're good. That's it. It's useless. It's an empty faith. It means nothing to us. It's absolutely a pointless thing if Jesus isn't risen from the dead. If Jesus hasn't risen from the dead, you should take your Bible and put it up beside all the other fictional books. Because it's, it's a useless book. It is not true. It is no good. It is not helpful. This is, I'm not, like, you're like, well, this is serious. Paul saying this. If the resurrection is true, it's all empty. It's all meaningless. It's all pointless. None of it is real if Jesus didn't rise from the dead. That's the first, I mean, he's putting high stakes on this resurrection thing. This is high stakes to make this claim, okay? The second thing is this, verse 15. Then Christianity is false. Yes, and we are found false witnesses of God. We've been lying. We've, we've said that Jesus rose from the dead. And if he didn't raise him, then the, and the dead don't rise, then we're liars. And this whole Christianity thing is just false. And, and for the last, say, maybe, I don't know, 1,500 years, uh, the people of Britain have been duped by a dead religious carpenter. Totally duped. And yes, the, the, the power-hungry people, all they've done is they've managed to raise really good establishments to make money and to make power and to force us to follow a suit in the last few hundred years. It's been different recently uh, with the modern age coming in. But if the resurrection is not true, then Christianity is not true. Christianity is false. It's another false religion. It's another fairy tale, another myth, another uh, dead thing that we should have let go with Zeus and, 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 and Zeus and Mars and all these false gods and, uh, and Odin. And we put it all over there as like, a, yes, some people believe that back then. And some people believe it still, but, you know, it's, it's as good as Druidism. It's just totally rubbish if the dead uh, don't rise again. The third thing we see in verse 17 is that our faith is worthless as well. If Christ is not risen, your faith is futile and you're still in your sins. No, Paul's not saying God's not true. He's saying that if the resurrection is not true, then this is not the way to God. Right? If the resurrection is tr- isn't true, that, that Jesus was risen from the dead, then he's not the way to God. And, and we're sitting here, you and I, singing about how we're forgiven from our sins and we're not. Because we haven't earned it. 
We haven't worked for our, for our forgiveness, right? All the stuff that you've done in your life, all the bad that you've done, and then, and then the fact that you haven't merited favor before God. You haven't earned good things from him. You haven't earned him to say, well, we're going to let those things go, right? Every religion in the planet, every religion is this. You've done a bunch of bad stuff. It piles up. You need to do some good things to outweigh it, right? Every religion. Victoria and I were watching a documentary, a two-part documentary recently about Jimmy Savile. Horrible situation. Absolutely disgusting. You know why he did all that good stuff he did? All that charity? All those marathons? You know why he did all that? He did all that good stuff. Good stuff. Because he was a Roman Catholic. And he believed all this horrendous stuff. Over 400 cases. All that wicked stuff he did. He would be able to sort of outdo it. All those marathons. All that charity money. If I can just... If I can just earn it with God, if I can just tip the scales a little bit, that my good outweighs my bad. And Paul's saying here, hey, if, the if Jesus didn't rise, you're still dead in sin. You're still accountable to God for all you've done. And we as Christians, our message is you don't have to do anything. Christ has done it all. But he hasn't done it all if he didn't rise from the dead. It's a, it's a useless religion. It's, it's a worthless thing. In verse 18, it says the dead are dead. Verse 18, then those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If the resurrection is not true, the dead are dead. And the, the happy hope of a believer is not something we just tell the kids to make us feel good. Like you've lost your tooth, but don't worry, the tooth fairy is coming. You're going to get a couple of quid, right? Don't, your friend died, but don't worry, you're going to see him again in the resurrection. It's going to be all good. And we just tell people that to make them feel good. No, but Paul says if the resurrection is not true, the dead are dead, you'll never see them again. Rotten corpses, that's it. You'll never see them again. But that's not what we believe. The happy hope of the believer is that the reuniting. We're going to see Jesus and we're going to see our loved ones. And Paul comforts the believers and Thessalonians by saying to them, you're going to see them again. Those who've died, those who've fallen asleep in Christ. And the reason he uses this idea of fallen asleep is because they're going to wake up again. As resurrected ones, the body's going to wake up again. And, we, and, and as Christians, we, we plant bodies, right? We plant bodies in the grave. It's, it's, a cemetery is not just a cemetery, it's a garden. It's planted. We've planted every little seed. Every little corpse is a planted seed. And one day when Jesus shouts his shout, all of them will rise again. All of it will bloom into resurrection life. And so, but if that's not true, if Jesus didn't rise, the dead are dead. We see in verse 19, uh, it says this, that we are hopeless. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most pitied. If only uh, in Jesus, we are the people most to be pitied, it says. And that, that's where some people are. You know, we don't, we don't, some people are like, oh, Jesus, he's a, he's a great religious teacher. Jesus is a, is a good prophet. Jesus was, you know, he was a good moral example for us to follow. And, and, but if, if it's only a placebo to help you get through life, I pity you, Paul says. It is a piteous religion that you're believing in this false thing, this, this dead carpenter who didn't come back to life again. And you're banking on this hope. And, and again, in the New Testament, back then, to hope was to be not just hopeful for something that wasn't going to happen, but hopeful for what's going to actually take place. Right? That the Christian hope isn't just, oh, I hope so. The Christian hope is, it's coming and I can't wait for it to come. That's Christian hope. 
And he says here, if your hope is only like, oh, you know, I don't know, but hopefully, then you should be pitied. It's an empty, <coughs> worthless faith. Verse 32, if the resurrection is not true, then life is utterly pointless. Paul says in verse 32, I fought wild beasts in Ephesus with, with no more than human hope. Right, so this is a guy, we don't, some people are like, it's actually a wild beast. He was in the, the, the auditorium and there was beasts around him and he had to fight them off and all. Some people believe it's political leaders who are causing them problems. And he says, if I was doing that and I only had this human hope, not an actual hope, then what have I gained? And he, he says this, if the dead are not raised, let us eat and drink for tomorrow we die. If the resurrection is not true, if, there, if Jesus didn't rise from the dead, if all this is empty, empty stuff, then Paul, the apostle, says, do whatever you want until you're dead. That's what Paul said. Quoting Paul, the apostle, do whatever you want until you're dead. If that means hurting other people, do it. Live a life of indulgence. Live a life of hedonism. Pursue pleasure. Pursue entertainment. Pursue your selfish needs. Pursue your greeds. Pursue whatever you want. Do what you want. Tomorrow you're dead. It's worthless and meaningless and empty and pointless. If there's no resurrection. Do what you want. Paul says. So the Apostle Paul has been saying if there's no resurrection. This is pretty bold claims. But Paul says if the resurrection is not true. Jesus didn't rise from the dead then Christianity is a garbage religion and your life is pointless. There you go. Feel good Sunday morning, right? But we, we go up again and we see here in verse 20, this lovely claim, but Christ has indeed been raised from the dead. Okay? And what Paul does a little bit before all this stuff that we've been looking at is he begins to account some evidence for the resurrection. Because again, Christianity isn't the blind faith religion that many people claim it is. A lot of people have this saying, you've probably heard it, uh, you have faith and I have science. You have faith and I have logic. You're an idiot and I'm really intelligent is what they're saying, right? That's, that's the, and I used to say it too before I was a Christian. And the idea is you just believe it in spite of, there's no evidence for it, but it just makes you feel good, so you believe it anyway. No evidence, but, you know, it gives you a warm, fuzzy feeling every couple of weeks. You know, it, it helps you when you're going through hard times. So you, it's not true, but as long as, long as it serves you, you know, then, then fair play. Jim Carrey, the great comedian, said recently he's really loving his spiritual uh, pursuit at the moment. He's pursuing, he's pursuing spirituality. And you're like, but what are you pursuing, Jim? He's like, I don't know. <laughs> Makes me feel good, though. Right? And, and Paul gives us concrete evidence that the resurrection is true. He's like, this is, here's evidence for it being a reality. And we're not going to look at all the evidence. There's, there's like tons of evidence for the resurrection. There's more evidence for the resurrection of Jesus than there is for Julius Caesar's existence, right? Like, that's a pretty big deal, okay? But we're going to do the ones that Paul does here in 1 Corinthians 15. So, here we go. Verse 4, you might argue that this is a bad example of, uh, of evidence because... You don't believe the Bible. But verse 4 says, it's a biblical thing. It's scriptural. It's been prophesied in the Old Testament. Jesus is buried, and he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. This is what the Bible teaches. You know, If you believe the Bible, you've got to believe the resurrection, because the, the Bible talks about the resurrection in the Old Testament. So if the Bible is true, the resurrection is true. Okay, moving on. Then the next one. 
Verse 5, Peter saw Jesus after he'd risen from the dead. Okay? Peter saw him. And you're like, well, he could have been lying. Peter could have been lying. Like, think about all the things he could have got by lying, all the money he could have got by lying, all the power he could have got by lying, all the influence he could have got by lying. Fair enough. Uh, The only difference is that Peter didn't become that. He was despised by his own people once he began to preach that Jesus had risen from the dead. He was a fearful man. Uh, He was so afraid that he denied that he even knew Jesus, right? On the day that Jesus is being crucified, he he goes, uh, you're one of his followers. No, I'm not. No, I'm not. And three days later, that same guy who's denying he even knows the guy that they're killing is in the middle of Jerusalem in front of all the religious leaders and all the Jews who've come from all across the world saying, Jesus, not only do I know him, did I know him, but he rose from the dead, you're like, what are you doing, man? Do you want to die? And he, and he was killed. Peter, according to tradition, historic tradition, was crucified upside down because he believed this message. And his whole, his whole faith was like, I saw it. I saw him. I, he was crucified. He was buried. And then I saw him again eating food and talking to us. Like, I saw him risen from the dead. So that's the first uh, one that we see. The second one in verse 5, the rest of the disciples seen it. He appeared to Cephas and then to the twelve, to the, to the other disciples. Saw Jesus risen from the dead. And Thomas, one of them, is like, I don't believe it. You're all talking about Jesus rising from the dead. I don't believe it until I touch him. Until I touch his flesh, then I'll believe. And then Jesus appears, you're like, touch it. And Thomas is like, my Lord and my God. And these, these apostles risked their lives and poured out their, their lives to bring this message to the world over a lie? Risking your life over a lie? I mean, it's not like they were just sitting plush in Jerusalem the rest of their lives with their feet up just enjoying life. And people were serving. They emptied their lives for this message. And then they died horrendous deaths. For this message. Some of them were pierced to the floor. Some of them were dragged by horses. Some of them were burnt at the stake. Some of them were thrown off of buildings. Some of them were beaten with cludgeons. Some of them were stoned to death. You know, and, and all you needed to do was to say, I was only making it up, I'm sorry. <laughs> and they would have been like, okay, we'll let you go. But they didn't. Facing death, they kept saying, it's true, it's true. We saw him risen from the dead. Moving on, 500 people saw it in verse 6. After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time. Most of them are still living, though some have fallen asleep. There's this theory called the hallucination theory that everyone was so brokenhearted about Jesus dying that they all had hallucinations at different times that Jesus had risen from the dead. Well, you know, that's a bigger miracle than the resurrection that 500 people had the same hallucination at the same time. Like 500 people are just... Uh, messing around somewhere and then all of a sudden they all see uh, this crazy hallucination Uh, fair play to that one I'll have that too but Jesus appeared to 500 people at the same time now you are all facing me if I was to say to you guys a, a six foot white rabbit just walked across the door there did you guys see that None of you would believe me because it's one guy who's just making stuff up, right? You know, he already goes with his Irishness again, right? White rabbit. But if John had been leading the meeting beforehand, he was like, a white rabbit just walked past there. And you'd all be like, why is up, John? And then I got up like, to, to do this bit. 
And I'm like, guys, really? A white rabbit just walked past. Something in you would be like, either they're playing or something's going on here. Right? And, and then a few other people are like, come up to, to lead or to do something, do a kid's talk or do the collection or pray. I just saw it too. And you still made me not believe it. There's something going on. But if 500 people were sitting there at Furrow's Field and they all came around, they're like, guys, there's a six foot white rabbit over there. At at some point, you're like, something's different here. Something's going on, right? So 500 people saw the resurrected Jesus. In the court case today, you need two or three witnesses still. In, In the courtroom today, you need three forms of independent witness. Okay, that's CCTV or an independent witness saying that they the eyewitness account of something happening or DNA. You need three. You need two or three independent witnesses for a court case. Here are five hundred independent witnesses to the resurrection of Jesus Christ at the same time. Okay, so that, that's a pretty big evidence. And Paul says here in verse six, most of them are still living. What does he mean? Go ask them. Go talk to them. Most of them are still alive, and they'll tell you what they saw. And you can, you can ask that guy, what did you see? And, and he'll, give you the, the, he'll give you what he saw. And then you can go ask another guy 50 miles away in a different city, what did you see? And he'll tell you the same thing, right? If you, if you got all of us in the room, right, and we, let's all agree we're going to lie about something to come down, right? No, we wouldn't. But let's just say we did. We're going to tell them all a lie. Right? At one point, there's going to be a brick. Because at one point, I'm going to be like, yeah, yeah, the car was green. Whatever the lie was, yeah, and it was a green car, and it, and it did this thing. And then someone's going to get it wrong, right? Someone's going to say it was a blue motorbike. And all of a sudden, it's like, ah, see, green car, blue motorbike. And I'm going to say, yeah, it was about 1 o'clock in the afternoon. And some, someone's going to get it wrong and say it was about 7 o'clock at night. And they're like, ah, see, there's something wrong here, something fishy. But 500 witnesses, Paul says, go and ask all of them separately. And they'll all tell you the same thing. Because they all saw it. They all saw the resurrection. Alright, next one. Verse 7, James saw it. Uh, then he appeared to James. Uh, James, some people believe it's his brother. Or one of his, uh, it's his, it's his half-brother, James. The, the son of Mary, but not, or, yeah, son of Mary. But not the son of God. James, in verse 7. And James, if that's his brother, when Jesus was alive... James is like, I don't believe this message. This is a rubbish message. You, who do you think you are? Right? James, his brother, doubted him, the Bible says. Like his family thought he was mad at one point. His family thought he'd literally gone insane. Okay? Then he appears to James. And James becomes one of the leaders of the church of this movement that is his crazy brother started. <laughs> he's like, my crazy brother started this. I'm just going to keep it going because I'm crazy too. No, he's, he, he thinks it's crazy. Then he sees Jesus risen from the dead and he's like, I'll, I want in on this. I'll die for this. And James did die for this. He died believing this message. He was the one, it's believed, was pushed off. He was taken up to the highest part of the temple and then pushed off. And he didn't die and he was still praying for their forgiveness as they beat him to death with cludgeons. Like, over your crazy brother's theory? Over your crazy bro- No, he saw him uh, risen from the dead. Verse 7 says, The apostles saw it. Then to all the apostles. And it's believed that some people believe this is the 70 that Jesus sent out in the Gospels. Like the rest of the sent ones. Because he's already appeared to the 12. Um, or else he appeared again to the rest of the disciples. So, so it's just, Paul's just... What he's doing, he's just saying, 
that person, that person, that person, that, they, they, they all saw him. It's not something that we just hope in and believe in, even though there's no evidence. He's like, look at all this evidence for the resurrection of Jesus. And then finally, he says about himself, last of all, he appeared to me also. Paul, in verse 9, he was, it says at the end of verse 9, I was persecuting the church. Paul, if you don't know the story, Paul was someone who was in, he was, right, so let me just explain. Paul was one of the most influential men in his, in his time, in, in his circles, right? Not just in one country, but in all the countries of the Mediterranean who, were, who had Jewish people, Paul was becoming the big shot. Paul was going up, up, up all the way, right? He was the next guy who was going to be the, he was, the, the biggest leader at that time was one, a guy called Gamaliel, and Paul sat under his feet, and Paul was basically like, once Gamaliel is dead, I'll be the next guy, and everyone will be sitting under my feet. He, he is powerful, he is popular, and he is wealthy at this point. He has everything going for him. Right Now there's this weird movement happening in his country and spreading into the other countries that there's someone who's claimed that some carpenter from Nazareth has risen from the dead. And so Paul goes after these, these Christians who are teaching this message. And he begins to arrest them. He begins to have some of them put to death. Right? So this is a guy who is powerful, influential, and wealthy. He has everything he wants. And it says he was zealous. It wasn't like just like... He, he was following it because it, it was helpful for him. He, he believed it with all his heart, this message that he was believing as a Jew, hating the Christians. With all his heart, he believed it. So he's on his way to kill more Christians, to gather them in, to get them arrested and put to death again. And he says on his way to do that, on his way to Damascus, Jesus appears to him. Not as a, as a vision, not as a hallucination, but like body appearance, like Right there. And he falls to his knees. And, he, and he's never the same again. And instead of persecuting the church. He becomes one of the greatest spreaders of the message of the gospel. That Jesus rose from the dead. What makes a man do that? What makes a man go from being popular amongst his people. To despise amongst his people. Like they, they, So he was like one of the most popular people. One of the most influential people in the Jewish religion at the time. And then this moment happens in his life, and they're all trying to kill him instead. One of the most despised people. Like there, some of them, there's like 40 guys towards the end of his life who are making pledges to not eat until they've murdered him. What makes a man do that? Right? He's one of the wealthy people in his time. And there's a thing in his life where he, something happens in his life where he becomes someone who's like, you know, I have nothing. I have nothing. I'm sitting here in prison with nothing. And when I get out of prison, I'll have nothing. Hey, if you, if you find the time, please bring my blanket. It's freezing. What makes a man do that, right? What makes a man go from hating this religion and trying to kill the people who are in it to becoming the biggest spreaders of it? And he tells us what it was. He says here in verse 8, He appeared to me. I saw the risen Jesus. I saw him alive again. And it changed my life. And Paul uses himself then as one of the uh, evidences of the resurrection. And he didn't go uh, from believing in Christ to all of a sudden everything's well for him. Paul, the moment he trusted in Christ. This is, sorry, this is how Jesus got Paul in. Right? This is one of the first things he said to Paul once he came in. Not, hey Paul, thanks for coming in to this Christian faith thing. By the way, it's going to be great. You're going to be one of the most, you're going to be one of the most influential people in this faith movement. He said to him, 
you're going to suffer for the rest of your life and then die for me. And Paul's like, okay. All right. He was shipwrecked a number of times. He was beaten and beaten and beaten numbers of times. Thrown in prison numbers of times. Had to escape for his life numbers of Stoned almost to death. Like they stoned him and thought he died and walked away. And he got up again like, man, that's, that's going to hurt for a few days. What makes a man do that? And he says in verse 8, he appeared to me. I saw uh, the risen Jesus. And it's changed my life. So there's the evidence for the resurrection. Uh, just very, very briefly, we're just going to go through the consequences. I don't have on the, on the notes here, or up in the PowerPoint here. But just very briefly, we'll just look at some consequences. If the resurrection's true, then what else is true? And the first thing, we're just going to do two things, and then we're done. The first thing is, then the, the resurrection's true for us as well, right? If the resurrection of Jesus is true, then the resurrection uh, for us is true as well. In, in verse 22, in Adam all die, and in Christ all will be made Alive again. Verse 26. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. Verse 42. So will it be with the resurrection of the dead. The body that was sown is perishable and raised imperishable. The seed's been planted. Something that can die. And it'll be raised to something that can't die. It is sown in dishonor. It's raised in glory. It's sown in weakness. It's raised in power. Sown natural. Raised spiritual. So if there's a resurrection is true of Jesus, then our resurrection is true as well. I'm, I, I'm not going to be a little spirit, a little Casper the friendly ghost going up into heaven forever. That's not the Christian message. The Christian message, even before Jesus rose from the dead, Mary and Martha, is that we're coming back here and we're going we're gonna to have a body again. Like just a different one. One that I don't have to shave off my head on because I'll have a full head of hair. right? But there's going to be a resurrected body. And we're going to be here with a resurrected body is the Christian message. We're going to be raised again. That's why we plant uh, the, the dead and the, to the resurrection again. And then finally, so number, number one, we will rise too. And, and that's every believer and every unbeliever. Every unbeliever, if you're, if you're not a Christian, it's not just like you're not going to come too. You're going to be raised from the dead as well. To stand before God as your judge. And that body that was raised to experience the glories of heaven will instead experience the anguish of hell because of sin. And then number two, our labor is not in vain. We will rise to and our labor is not in vain. Verse 58, therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully, fully to the work of the Lord. Because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. I love at the, at the start of this passage he said, if Jesus hasn't risen, your faith is in vain. But since he has, not only is your faith not in vain, but your labor for him is not in vain too. So, so, so serve him. Knowing that it's not an empty thing that you're doing, but will be rewarded at the resurrection as well. Let me just close by saying this. If you're not a, if you're not a Christian... I can't convince you. I'm trying to convince you. But I can't actually do it. Uh, but, if, but study this. If you're, in, if, you're not, if you're not a Christian, you don't want to be one. I can't do anything. But if you're not a Christian, you're thinking about it. Study up in the resurrection. Study the evidence for the resurrection. If it's true, it's all true. If it's not true, none of it's true. Right? Study up on that. It is true. So it's all true. And come to Christ and experience eternal life in him. 
If you are a Christian, I want to I challenge us a little bit before we part ways and eat our chocolate with verse 58. Some of us are living like the resurrection is not true. And if we all were living like the resurrection was true, verse 58 would be true of our lives. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord. Or it says in the New King James, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Some of us are believing like, you know, it's, it makes me feel good sometimes. I can sing a few hymns and turn up on a Sunday. But always abounding, full of this, this work for the Lord uh, throughout our lives, serving him, serving our communities, serving each other, bringing the gospel to the world. If you compare how we believe the resurrection to how Paul believed the resurrection, don't you see there's a bit of a, a disjoint there? Like Paul believes the resurrection, so he spends his life telling other people about it. Like that's his life at that point. Like risking his life, emptying his life to make this message known. We believe the resurrection and we add it to our lives like a fridge magnet. Like, yeah, we believe that too. But it's not, it's not, it's not my whole life though. Like it doesn't change my relationships. It doesn't change how I treat the people who've upset me, the people who've hurt me in my life. It doesn't change that. But I believe it though, right? It doesn't change what I do with my, with my time and with my finances and with my energy. I, I believe it though, but it doesn't change what I, it's not meant to change what I do, right? And, and Paul and these disciples and these 500 people and the 70 people, their life was changed by the resurrection. And Paul's trying to challenge us at the end here in verse 58. Let it change yours too. If this is true, it changes everything. Everything. It changes what comes out of our mouths, what comes out of our bank accounts, what comes out of our hands. It changes everything about how we live our lives, if this is true. If it's not true, let's not turn up tonight. What's the point? If it is true, let's come together again and sing his praises and make him known to the world around us. If it's true, let's change the way we live our lives by his help in us. Uh, just finish. I know I said I would finish earlier, and uh, that was in vain. I'm finished here. Verse, verse 10. I want to just encourage us as we challenge as well. Verse 10. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace towards me is not in vain. Another one. But I labored more abundantly than all of them. But not I. It was the grace of God that was with me. So I'm not telling you, go out and do this in your own strength. Change in your own strength. I'm saying, if the resurrection is true, get closer to Jesus. Let him transform you and then live your life as if it's true. If it's not true, let's stop doing this pretend thing. If it is true, let's change what we're doing with our lives by his grace in us. Amen. Amen.